All right. Welcome to another episode of Lost in the Long Box. I'm Randall with my other two hosts, Thomas and Madman. Say hello, guys. Hello, guys. Hello. How was your weekend? That was excellent, Eric. I can't complain. Great. Thomas and I hit a yard sale, and I found a $20 comic for one buck. Nice. So thinking of flipping that puppy already. Uh, I actually looked at the artwork on it, and it is abysmal. I mean, it was just horrible. I'm like, God, I was actually reading this thing back in the day. It's Web of Spider-Man 18. <laughs> I it's remember the, Web of Spider-Man. Yeah. It's, it's the supposed first appearance of Eddie Brock, but here's the beauty of it. There's never any mention of Eddie Brock. He doesn't appear as a character. He's one panel in the background, and it's the hand that's pushing Peter Parker into the subway. Kind of like the first cameo of Doomsday right. where you just see his face. And, and it yeah. wasn't until later that Marvel came out and said, oh, by the way, that was Eddie Brock that pushed him on the subway tracks. Like, yeah, right, you're just trying to drive up the back issue right. price. And it worked, apparently, because... It's Web of Spider-Man. Yeah, you yeah. see him, like, a 9.6, I think, is going for 150 on eBay. Like, So really? this is... Yeah, this is not a 9.6, really? but it's a pretty good copy. So... I paid a dollar for it. I might just flip it. I was going to keep it till I actually read it and started cringing. I'm like, God, I used to read this thing. And look how horrible. And the problem, and here's the thing. The arc is Mark Silvestri, who is supposed to be a giant right now and went over and formed Image. And I'm thinking, yeah, this must have been early in his career or something. He phoned it in or something. <laughs> right, because it is not a pretty book. You should open, open yours and look at it. So before we get going, we do have a couple of big announcements here. Announcement number one, we now do have a Facebook page. It is simply just lost in the long box. Put that into your search and you shall find it. And the second big announcement is we have an email address as well. Woohoo! And that's also very simple, just lost in the long box at gmail.com. Um, and Thomas got those set up last week, so thank you, Thomas. You're welcome. I'm pretty certain he got tired of me IMing him every other day going, do we have a Facebook page? Do, do we it. have an email address? Do it. And then, and then I told him, by the way, there's someone on another Facebook page asking if we have a Facebook page. And he's like, okay, okay. So I could hear him cussing me from the next building over like, all right, damn it, I'll make it all right. Just get off my ass. All right, so we're going to do our usual book reviews here, but I'm going to do something a little bit different on this. Because I wanted to do Round Robin because the very first week I reviewed the first one and then Madman did his and then Thomas did his. And I was going to keep going in that cycle so that Thomas would go first and then me and what have you. But Thomas is reviewing a special book this week. So I'm going to go ahead and go first. But uh, before we do that, hey, Madman, what's that you got there? This is a copy for an ad for who is the kind enough to donate some comic books to us so we can review them. Well, why don't you read that copy? Sure. Can I use my uh, announcer voice? Yeah, you may use whatever voice you <clears throat> like. <clears throat> Looking to reread that Death of Superman story from the 90s? How about the original Infinity War saga? Or maybe you're a collector of pop Funko Pop figures. Whether you're looking for the latest new comic releases or Avengers action figures, Gateway Comics and Toys is your go-to destination. Stop in and see Ed and his crew, Nick, Alex, Kristen and PJ, and let them know Lost in the Long Box sent you. And now that they've expanded their store with even more choices in comics and toys, and the best part is, it's still in the same shopping center. Visit Gateway Comics and Toys, located at 2368 Plank Road on Route 3 across from Bob Evans Restaurant, and follow them on social media at GW Comics for all your comic and collectible toy needs. Damn, I'm actually going to crap. <laughs> I think you have just earned an ad rating for every week. I hope you know that, right? There you go. <laughs> He's shaking his head like, uh-huh. I've been working in radio since 97? 
Sweet. Okay, yes, you're going to be getting a lot of the ad reads. All right, so let's get to the book reviews. Um, I'm going to start with mine, and I started, I'm going to start with Journey into Mystery, The Birth of Krakoa. Not Krakatoa or Croatia or whatever. It is the, the monster Krakoa, K-R-A-K-O-A. Is that the living island from the X-Men? Yeah, absolutely, Islands? Thomas, yes. You, you are sharp. I should have had you review this book. It is written by Dennis, Ho- Dennis Hopeless, and I really hope that is a pseudonym and that your last name is not actually Hopeless, because if it is, you, you have issues. If, but if you did choose it, well, yeah, that would even be a bigger concern. Like, <laughs> why are you choosing Hopeless? And the art is by Jabril Morissette Fon. So the storyline is basically Nick Fury and his Howling Commandos. It is set during the World War II era because you clearly see at the beginning of it, they are in between missions. They're on a freight carrier airplane. They're, they're flying from one to the next. It's a rare moment of downtime. And during that, they all fall asleep. Nick Fury's flying the plane when he sees what appears to be an Allied bomber up ahead of him, and he's wondering what is it doing out here, and he sees them drop their payload and pretty much nuke an island below them, but when he looks at it, he's like, okay, this island is not anything strategic, it's not a base for anyone in the Axis while we bombing this, and all he can think is, okay, so you just nuked the entire island along with all the inhabitants that lived there who probably weren't doing anything. But as a result of it, apparently the radiation also affects the plane, and they crash on the island. But before that, he wakes everybody up, says, bail out, we're going down. And the rider conveniently splits them into groups of three. Fury goes down with the plane. The rest of them crash. Dum Dum Dugan and Gabe decide, okay, we have to go find Fury because he's not with us. And that means the crazy SOB went down with the airplane. And the other three members of the commandos are like trying to swim in with them. But one of them starts losing his composure and says, no, we can't go. The, the island's poisonous. We're all going to die. So the writer conveniently splits them up into three. What's really great about this book is if you are a fan of all those 1940s, 1950s horror movies, especially the ones with the, the, the gamma bomb sets off something. And we get like, um, what was the one with the, the shaggy carpet? It. The, the, the carpet monster. Anyway, it, was, it set that tone. And even the art, take a, if you take a look at this art, I'm going to pass this to you, Thomas, and then you go ahead and give it to Mad Men. Or you could just show it to me. And the, even the art is reminiscent of that whole 40s, 50s monster style. So this starts off really great because just like those old horror movies, you start getting the strange things happening. The one guy starts growing fungus on him because he's noticed that the mud on the island is glowing. He's like, should mud be glowing? And, of course, he makes a mistake of touching it. And Doom, Dum-Dum's like, what are you doing, idiot? You know, get your hand out of that. And then a couple pages later, he now has fungus growing on him, which, despite cutting it off, starts growing back and takes over him. Same thing with Nick Fury. He falls into a, this island and finds like this beating heart and realizes the island is alive. So it, it has a really great horror movie feel from like the 40s and 50s. And that, unfortunately, is where it failed. Because my big problem with this book is they resolve it entirely too quickly. He spends most of the book setting up that the parties have been split. There's now three groups of them. They're trying to get back together and find out what's happening to one another. He's showing all these great things happening on the island. They're different experiences. He's even created the whole feel of the monster movie. And then... It, it, it's almost like he realized he painted himself into a corner and like, oh, crap, I only got three pages left. So it, it ends kind of abruptly. Just when everything's about to, to go to hell in a handbasket, 
the embodiment, the physical embodiment of Krakoa rises up from the mud, and you now have this giant, like, five-story creature who Nick Fury steps out and goes, oh, by the way, guys, this is Krakoa. He's now a living island, and this is what our bomb did to him. He's going to get us off the island, and it's kind of like a quick wrap-up, we're off the island, and I'm like, wow, okay, this could have gone on at least for another issue if we'd have just had a little more editorial control saying, let's expand this story, and let's make it really, you know, something spectacular, but it felt rushed. They had a really good setup. Was it you or Tom that was complaining about how story arcs never complete in one comic book? That would be the, me. Okay. Yeah, it okay. was. Yeah. Sometimes and, you do need multiple ones, and that's, and that's ex- perfectly and fine. And that's exactly yeah. what happened here. It was like I said. I started reading this, and I, was, I loved the look and the feel of it. And then all of a sudden, it was like it's done. So based on the whole rushed feeling of it, what could have been a three to four balloon book is now reduced to two, because it. It's not even, and it's a one shot. It's not like there's even a follow up on it. So unless Marvel plans more for these series, these journeys in the mystery, it was kind of failed on my part. And so that's that. It's possible he got like he got into the story and started feeling a flow for it. It's like all right, and then he was like he realized, oh, oh right, I gotta I gotta end at this page. And, and I, I I you're gonna like this. I call that writing themselves into a corner. Exactly. Because he realized, he read, oh, I gotta shit. end this comic. I, now I gotta stop. I'm like, oh, there was so much more I wanted to do. And the editor said, no, you can't have more pages. No, you can't have another issue. Right. And that's where it ended. <laughs> I noticed when looking through it that my favorite ad of all time is also uh, in I, that book. And you know what? I am never going to be the same anymore because every time I see that ad, I start snickering and I think about you. In fact, I actually may just start taking photos of him and texting you like, hey, Thomas, look. It's a Fantastic Four 3 ad. Yeah. So for those of you who missed last episode, Thomas reviewed Fantastic Four issue number two, and he got to the last two pages, and the Marvel in-house ad for, ten, for, ten, bleh, for Fantastic Four number three literally ruins the end of two, the very book you're reading at that time. <laughs> so Mad Men did something a little unique for his review. It wasn't a new book. I actually gave him a trade of an older story, but we established a while ago that part of what we're going to do here on Lost in the Long Box is not always review the new stuff. We're going to go back and touch on some of the older things. So I gave him a trade paperback of Afterlife with Archie. I can't believe this is old. Copyright 2014. Is that when it came out, Afterlife with Archie? That's when the trade came out, so you figure the series probably was 2013, maybe even 2012, because they, they're not very quick to put out new issues on that. Yeah, so you gave me the volume one a trade of Afterlife with Archie, uh, book one, Escape from Riverdale. And the story is by Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, and the artwork is by Fran- Francesco Francavia. And I, I got to be honest with you, I really enjoyed this. This is a really good read, uh, especially because, you know, like anybody who's... <coughs> grown up with Archie and so forth in the sense that, you know, guilty pleasure, like you said. Right. I read Archie because it was a comic book and, you know, it, it was it was an era where there was like eight channels on television, so I'd rather read Archie or G.I. Joe comic books than watch the president when he's speaking. Uh, so uh, when it comes to the – I'm going to go with the art last on this. Okay. Um, but the story – is so excellent. I mean, involves so many characters. I mean, it starts with Jughead and Hot Dog, and uh, he, <clears throat> poor Hot Dog. Right. Uh, he gets hit by a car, and he takes it to Sabrina and her crazy aunt. You know, it's all these characters. Um, um, and the the idea of this afterlife with Archie is just, it's number one, it's a brilliant title. 
for the play on the life of I, with Archie. I did like obviously. that. Obviously. And uh, second of all, it's a very simple premise. You know, it's Walking Dead in Riverdale. You know, that the zombies come right. to Riverdale yeah. and shit gets rural in Riverdale. And I love it. However, I really enjoyed the fact that all the characters stayed true to themselves within everything that was happening. Crazy, crazy stuff happens in this book right. in the world of Riverdale. And the characters stayed true to themselves. Well, what I also love in this is they're they're not afraid to get a little dark with the characters, they such as the, such as the whole thing with Midge and Moose. When yeah. I read it, I was just like, wait, wait, wait what? <laughs> We're yeah. really going there? <laughs> but I do have a treat for you. Um, Hold on. Oh, okay. Can I rate it first? Actually, well, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, give me your your the art. You said you wanted to talk about the art last. Well, uh. I, I wasn't finished talking about the characters. Oh, the characters right all stay true to themselves, and I enjoyed that. And, he, of course, you see so many of the classic characters from Archie comic books, and that's great. Um, and it's not without its jokes and punchlines as well. And uh, uh, there was a question that Betty asked Archie at one point in the story. I mean, it, you, know, this, you know, it's all going down. And she ends up asking him, asking him straight up, "Is like, who do you like better, Veronica or me?" And he, Archie says, well, to, I, "To be honest, I'm probably going to be going back and forth on this issue for the next <laughs> seventy years, you know." <laughs> and I thought that was an excellent laugh, but it brought my mind back to the old, you know, Betty or Veronica argument. And I think it's obvious that it's Betty. And I remember I had this conversation with this guy one time in church, and he said, "He was like, that's easy. You know, you know why you can't choose between them is because Betty's a Christian." He's like, what do you mean? And he's like, yeah, Betty doesn't put out, but Veronica does. So he may like Betty more, but Veronica puts out. And I was like, oh, now I understand the dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> it also explains why Veronica's dad hates Archie. Because <laughs> <laughs> he knows he's tapping it. <laughs> uh, that was a little side note I wanted to mention. But uh, this, this was an excellent read. I really don't like the five... Five word bubble limit. Yes, Madman has decided he's crashing the balloon limit. The ah, you can still use the five if you want, but there's this book is the exact reason why I don't like that kind of uh, limitation when it comes to five balloons for gotcha. awards. Is because I am I love this book. I love this story. The art was excellent. The at, the art was a big part of why that book is so but, enjoyable. But I know that for most artists who drawn Archie comics. They have to stay to this uh, original uh, form. You have to basically learn somebody else's style of drawing these characters so that the characters remains the same. And usually, since I've seen that so often, I, I had a hard time distinguishing characters if there was a panel that had multiple characters in it. I was like, well, who the hell is that? What are they saying? You know, who is that? And I'm a little bit confused because of the art and it's not like the mainstream Archie art. The art is good, but I was left a little confused because it wasn't what I was used to. And that's why that's that's why I'd give it twelve out of thirteen balloons. Well the fact that you gave it twelve instead, out of instead 13. of four of a five. Well okay. Four out of very, five. Very good. And that's why. Because it's basically I was confused a little bit and the, it was probably it was probably because of the art. I have to admit, I was rereading that before I brought it to give it to you, and I'm like, "Crap! I gotta go give this to Madman." I haven't finished rereading it because I read it a couple years ago. I would, I really wish they would put those out with a little more frequency, 
because there is a second arc to that, which I don't believe they finished. I, oh, okay. I, I think the series itself is up to issue 13. Yeah, it it kind of lends itself to the, there's probably Oh, more there's, coming, yeah. yo, you definitely know there's more because that book ends with them getting out of Riverdale and then it becomes, well, now what? Yeah. You know? So well, anyway, what I, was, what I brought here to show you, I thought you'd get a kick out of these. They did a lot of alternate covers for those books. Yes. And you're going to love these. Now, these are actually signed by the interior artist, um, Frankaville, I think his name is. Frankavilla. Frankavilla. Yeah. But they're alternate covers done by Papoy who is, I think, a regular Archie artist, but you'll like these covers. All right. I'll take a look at them. <laughs> See, I, yeah, I like those. Uh, they're in the back. Ah, right. Uh, the, in the back of the trade, they have the reprints well, of these what's, covers. What I like about those covers is they also have that classic zombie movie look about them. You well, know, the, the defenseless like... young girl in her nighty and the, the monsters at the door. Well, and it's Betty and Veronica, and I dig of it. Of course. And I think to get away, I'm looking with, at these too long. Hold on, All right, I'm gonna give it back to you. I think I think they also get just a little. Uh, he gets away with just a little bit of um, a nip, nippleage on yeah, Betty there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, got a little bit of nip there on, on Betty, which, which I don't mind. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I'm actually waiting for the the next trade net series. I may just suck it up and go find the actual individual issues. They're doing a, a whole bunch of those different series. I know one of the ones. That actually, Ed at Gateway Comic and Toys was going to have me review, but he didn't have it. Is the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which ties right into this whole oh, universe cool. here. I would read that too. So I'm looking for that one. Now, another one that they did, and I've only, I think it's only got two issues out, and I picked it up was Vampironica, which is a different storyline, but yes, Veronica gets turned <laughs> into a vampire. So th that, one's, that one's a little more tongue in cheek than that series. So, But I have issues one and two. I'll bring those if you want to take a look at them. Okay. See, I would rather read something that's not Archie for next week. Oh, oh no. I wasn't going to have you review them. I was going to say just to read them for fun. But okay. So, yeah. I'll probably be reading Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Are you knocking on the door? Oh, no. I'm sorry. That's okay. me banging on the table. Okay. Although it is kind of cool because it screws with you because every time I do it, you turn around and look at the door. Yes. So, here we go, listeners. Thomas is going to review the big book, the one that broke the internet. We're yes. going to get a sound bite so that whenever we do segments for things that broke the internet, I want the sound of glass breaking as well. But first, we're going to let him review the book, and then if you haven't heard why it broke the internet, we'll get right into that. Thomas, what did you review for this week? So I have Batman Damned, book one, the first book in the Black Label line. It's a very, very great book. I, I really enjoyed it. Batman is out con unconscious, and the Joker is dead, and he doesn't know why. We have guest appearances from John Constantine, the investigation into, what, into the death of the Joker. We see some nice flashbacks from Bruce's youth, from things he did then. Um, you know, memories of his mom and dad and all that good stuff. Of course, John Constantine is up to his normal acts, his smoking and his drinking while they uh, investigate uh, what's going on with the Joker. I don't want to give away too much because it's a great read. The art in this is fantastic, especially for the, uh, for the type of book that it is. It's more of a horror-type book, so it's not something you would traditionally see in a Batman book. At least it's, I don't believe so. It's, it's, it's got a lot of dark colors even for a Batman book. There right, yeah. It's, Batman, it's definitely a darker, a darker book than what you're used to, and I thought it was great. I was really looking forward to this book when I first heard it announced you know, several months ago and the whole line. Unfortunately, the next book is not going to come out until November, so that kind of stinks. I was really hoping to get some more I, information on it next month. But I also really dig in this that Zantana yes, is, is using yes. her abilities to do, be nothing more than a street con artist. Yes, I, I noticed that. When I, when I first saw her, I, that, I was 
I was kind of taken aback. I was like, she's a lot bigger deal than that. She's but, laying low, I guess. Yeah, definitely don't on the down low. And we also see some dead man in here possessing some people. Love dead man. Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of his. Never, never really particularly cared for him. But I'm interested to see where it goes next. I think dead man has had some ec- excellent parts in like uh, a lot of Marvel storylines. Yeah, I mean, he I'm has sorry, DC storylines. He has had some good parts. I, I liked his part in Brightest Day when they was when he he was told to go get a cheeseburger. Right. They do something kind of unique with him in this though, because it is an Elseworlds title, so it takes place outside the regular right, DC right. continuity. But apparently, in in this world, Deadman can't stay in a body for as long as he wants. He seems to be outed like every within ten to fifteen seconds. Yeah, he's, for, he's forced. He's forced out. out. It, he can't stay there very long at all, like you said. Interesting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is a great read. You should definitely pick it up when you can find it again because the first issue is sold out. How does that break pretty the much internet, everywhere? Though? How does it break the internet? Here we go. It is a key first appearance, Madman. Oh. Yep. For the first time ever in this book, you get to see Bruce's Batarang, if you catch my drift. Or the Batwang, if you would. Batawang? Batawang. Yes. Yep. The Batawang makes its first appearance in Hashtag this book. Batawang. That's right. <laughs> So for three panels, and, and and here's the thing: it's not like the art is clearly like, oh, oh, look, is there's, it a, there, there's a penis. I mean, well, he's oh, don't. As another male, I will have, I have every confidence in my own sexuality that I will say yes. He's rather well endowed. Could could you, Are they going to draw him any other way though? It's, it's Batman, right? Right. I mean, come on. I would do it small as a joke. Well, no. The flip side of that was you give Superman the tiny wing. <laughs> <laughs> Fair but, enough. <laughs> Fair enough. But here's the thing. It's only three panels. It's not like it's fully lit up and you look and go, there's Batman. Oh, there's Batman's dick. No, it's it's done in shadowing. So it's now, yes, there are it's obvious that that's what it is, but it's not like it's uh, hey, look. No, it it, it doesn't like, you know, jump out at you so to speak. But apparently it was just enough that People lost their mind. The book came out Wednesday, and by Thursday morning, I saw at least 20 posts talking about, I can't find Batman damned anywhere. My LCS is all sold out. And I'm like, well, yeah, it was probably limited print. And then I started reading why everybody wanted it. And I'm like, wow, I haven't even read. copies of Skyrocket. And here's the thing. I hadn't even read mine yet, but I knew there was bat penis in it already. That's right. (laughs) But, yeah, like you said, it's it's, it's in profile only, so it's not really jumping right out at you. I mean, you... I don't want to say you have to be looking for it because you don't. I mean, you definitely see it, but I mean, it, it's not, you know, completely obvious. And it completely broke the internet. They said that the later printings, it's going to be edited out. So this book has been highly well, sought after. They have already removed it from the dig- digital version. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> from their mature label line right there, just saying, removing the nudity. Well, and here's, and that's, you brought it, you hit the nail on the head. It says on the back of the book, mature readers. Now they'll let you know what's up. Mature yeah. readers, let's stop and think about this for a moment. They're editing out penis in a book that's labeled mature readers. Right. That's like a porn novel, one of the anonymous novels that you find in a bookstore, where they remove all the sex scenes. Yeah. So an eighty-page novel went to ten. Right. <laughs> it's a small so, novel. Right. So yeah, it, it's. I don't think it's as big a deal as what everyone's making it out to be, but I think it's really hot because you know. This, they're going to be centering it out of future printings and already have digitally. Well, but, I, I looked it up yesterday when you and I were talking about it. This only had 115,000 print run, which sounds like a lot, but in the world of comic books, that's actually a small run. Right. So the, the, the thing that's, and I really hate to say this because 
Tommy and I both had a copy. I, I bought him one because he already said he straight out wanted one of these books. So I bought us both a copy, and now we actually have the, the first print with the Batwing still there. And what was a $7 book is now up to 80 or 90 on eBay. And I told him today, I really hope it retains its value after that second print comes out. Yeah. Because it's, it's very rare that I buy a book off the stand, and it blows up and becomes something valuable down the road. Yeah. Yeah. I, I usually always get it after the fact when I'm like, I paid a dollar twenty-five for it four years ago, and now you want six hundred. You think ten <laughs> years from now, though, people are going to be like, "This is the actual Batman book where it really shows his wang." Well, it, here's the thing: it's right up there with all the other books that go into multiple reprints. If Batman Damn Number One goes to two second or third reprints, then yes, the value is going to hold simply because people want the first print just for the first print, regardless of what's in it. Well, and let, let's you know not lose sight of the fact this is a very well written book. It is. It's, so it, it's not. It, it's not like this is like a, a bad book that just has this, you know, controversial moment. On this is a good book. I mean, it, I enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to parts two and three. So, I, want, I definitely want to see how it ends. So what's the rating? Four out of five. Four out of five. Definitely. Did, did the penis take away the fifth rating? <laughs> yes, that's exactly. No, no. I just, you know, I didn't. I didn't feel it was a five. You know, it, it's, you know, the storyline. It's more of a horror oriented, more mature oriented. So there might be some people out there that, you know, that's not their thing. So, you know, that got it marked down a little bit. And the fact that I have to wait till November for the uh, the next part for a better shot of his wang. That's right. Well, I got a feeling that we're not going to ever see that again. I'm so. disappointed. Yes. Well, I w- I would also give it four out of five only because. At the very beginning of it, it's too hard to tell who's narrating because part of me thought maybe it was Joker narrating. Yeah, I was trying to figure that out for a while too until um, – It's not until Constantine know, comes, it, it out comes out midway out through with his cigarette that you know, okay, it's John Constantine doing a narration. Right. Because this is not Batman's voice. He's he's actually a spectator in his own book here. Yes, Because he it's being told from Constantine's viewpoint. I got you. Yeah, and I, I mean, I like that though. I mean, that, that's a good that's a good take on it. And you know, like I said, the flashbacks are good to uh, Bruce's youth and you know some of the things with his father and everything. I mean, it, this is a very good book. And it, like I said, not because of the nude scene; it's just a good book. Plus, too. Thank, um, thank you, Freak Nasty. I know we're talking about dicks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, the Freak, fan, Freak Nasty says, "Wang chat, homos." The 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 Phantom listener that we don't know who they really are. We had. Thomas, you don't know this, but there is a user named Freak Nasty who's pretty much listening to every broadcast on FXBG Public Radio, uh-huh. and no one knows who they are. Oh, okay. So I'll I'll tell you honestly, Freak Nasty, the most uh, the most viewed video on my YouTube channel, channel <laughs> the Madman Lowercase, is uh, every other video has like a dozen views. <laughs> all right, a dozen. The only video that has more than a thousand views is my video about Nightwing's ass. It's not my fault <laughs> that people are going out there buying up all these comic books just because somebody said Batman's dick is in it. All right? We're just comic book nerds who happen to have heard about it. All right? I'm not going and buying that comic just to see Batman's dick. I can't tell you that midway through the book when I saw it, I yelled out, Honey, I'll be busy for a bit and close the door. <laughs> it's not my fault that people type dick into their search engines way too often. I wanted this book long before I found out about that. As soon as I found out about the premise, I wanted this book. It had nothing to do with right. anything else. And well, it didn't disappoint. It was a great book. Because you have to remember, the ad campaign for this straight up said, Joker is dead, and it looks like it's at the hands of Batman, and only John Constantine can help him find the answers. Right. That right there was immediate selling That's what point. hooked me. Every, everybody who read that ad copy said, okay, I'm buying this book. It just happened to have the other thing. And I'll but, be honest. Listen to, listen to Tom uh, explain it. I, I kind of want to read it, too. It, dude, if you want, I have it right here if you want to borrow it. Does this it is smell a, like cat piss? No. My, no, it sure doesn't. <laughs> this is a good book. Uh, also, listeners, just so you know, 
for anyone who's not informed, this book technically takes place in what's called DC's Elseworld series. Yeah, love Elseworlds. So, so they are stories outside of the main continuity. So just because Batman's Wang is visible in this book doesn't mean you can pick up a copy of Batman on the newsstand and hear a reference to when he killed Joker and everybody saw his schlong. That's okay. <laughs> yes, because Elseworlds, Elseworlds are basically billed as... Other times, other places, and events that Don't should or shouldn't have been right. Yeah, yeah reimagined. It's like such as like Superman, right. Red Sun, and oh, love Red Sun was a great book. Yeah, Gotham by Gaslight. Book. Gotham. Good by, one, yeah. So the other two that we're mentioning for all the listeners who just went, do what, do what? Superman, Red Sun is a premise of what if Kal El had landed in Soviet Russia? Excellent book. And then Gotham by Gaslight is what if Batman had existed during the time of Jack, Jack the Ripper, Ripper yeah. which is another great book. Both great. Yeah. Both great. All right, so pass it down to Madman so he can borrow that. Smell it, and like I said, unfortunately, issue two doesn't come out till November, so we got a whole another month and a half to wait there. All right, so we have another thing we're going to discuss here. Last week, I touched on the whole Henry Cavill out as Superman and what it meant for WB and how I personally liked the character. And did that mean that they were revamping the Superman story or the whole DCEU? What exactly did it mean? But there was some more backlash on that. that Actually, E.K. had requested that we talk about, so I don't think E.K. is listening tonight, which is kind of a bummer because I, I know he wanted us to cover it, and I'm sure he would like to, to t- chime in on this. But he can listen to the podcast later like everybody else. Ha ha. So after they said that Henry Cavill was possibly out of Superman and could neither really give us a tweet or a statement that would actually confirm or deny it, Rumors started running rampant about, well, who's going to be the next Superman? Who's going to play him next? And one of the names that popped up was Michael B. Jordan from... Was he in Black Panther? Black Panther. Killmonger. And again, the internet broke, and I need that sound, you know, the the breaking glass. So Mm. let's all pause for a moment. Why do you think the internet broke? The The internet broke because people said we can't have a black Superman. Why not? Well, and here's the thing. They forget there is already a precedence for this having happened in DC Comics. Now, granted... It is alternate versions of Superman, but as Thomas pointed out, there is one storyline, which I can't remember. Harvey Harvey Dent is the Superman of the Tangent Universe. Of the Tangent Universe. And and Harvey Dent's black in that universe? Harvey Dent is black. He's a black Superman in that universe. He's more of a villain in that universe than our standard Superman. Billy Billy D. Williams? No, I don't believe he does. No, he doesn't. (laughs) But also, during um, their Legends of the DC Universe, there was a one-shot called Legends of the DC Universe Crisis on Infinite Earths. And in that, there was an Earth called Earth D, which if you're familiar with DC Universe for a long time, they had their whole multiverse, Earth 1, Earth 2, Earth Earth X, all of those. Well, on Earth D, the Superman there was also black. Not a big deal because... I think it was a one-shot, and they didn't really make a whole lot of it. But the one that came forward after that is the one that seemed to be popular that stuck is in Final Crisis issue number seven, we are introduced to Earth number 23. And on Earth number 23, the Superman there is also a black man, and his name is Calvin Ellis. That is his human name. But his Kryptonian name is Kal-El. Now, it's not hyphenated like the Earth 1 guy. His is just... K-A-L-E-L, but still Kal-El, but he's also president of the United States. And they have freely admitted that, yes, he was based off of Barack Obama. But in that book, he is also Superman. And I'm going to be honest, that's a great costume. It's 
blue costume with a white S and I think red details inside the S, and he is a Superman of that Earth. So there is already precedent out there for a black Superman. And I think if you're going to make a movie of Superman and you're going to go with an African-American, then you need to be the Earth-23 Calvin Ellis Superman. i totally all on board for that. I'll be the first in line to see it. Having said that, I'm also of the other mindset. If it's just going to be regular Clark Kent, Earth-1 Superman, Daily Planet, no, I don't want it. And the reason is I'm tired of seeing characters getting changed just to fit a demographic or to be edgy. Fair enough. Which is what they would be doing. Marvel has already tried this road, and they've created all kinds of hatred. Let's think about the Jane Foster version of Thor that came out a couple years ago. That immediately split right down the middle. You either loved it or you hated it. I personally thought it was great. I, I like that storyline, especially when you find out that she's actually dying of cancer and the hammer is what's keeping her alive. Then you have Riri Williams, who becomes Ironheart, but was actually advertised as being a new version of Iron Man, which immediately people were blown up on that one too. So that that's actually my take on it. You're doing Earth-23, Calvin Ellis, bring it, but don't make it standard Earth-1 Clark Kent because quit changing characters just to fit demographics and well i've long wanted dc to start focusing on their really good elseworld stories because i mean people know your established characters right they understand that and if you do like something like gotham, gotham by gaslight or if you do something like a movie like superman red sun you know people are going to recognize this this wayne kid people are going to recognize diana you know who they are you know, so you don't necessarily have to you know do things that are quote-unquote canon you know and i think that a lot of DC's best books were either their B titles or those Elseworlds books. And so many of them were good. Right, and I agree. But this is actually along the same lines. If Marvel or DC took some of their black characters and changed them and made them another race, I, that's just as wrong. Black Panther's not going to work if the mask comes off and I see a Caucasian guy wearing no. a costume. Yeah, Definitely you really not. couldn't do that with Black Panther. You can't do that with Black Lightning because... It's not going to work if you see the newspaper about a vigilante running named Black Lightning and some Asian guy is wearing a costume. Well, I mean, I just, I, I really don't think that ethnicity necessarily plays a part, especially when it comes to a character like Superman. If you, right. say, if you tell me you're going to change something to a Superman movie, and I'm just like, what else is new? Right. You know, so, I mean, I really don't care. You know, if you, if, if, if it's a, like, for example, uh, what 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 uh you got John Stewart. Uh, okay, the Green Green Lantern. Yeah, right. the Green Lantern. I like him way better than Hal Jordan. You know why? Cuz he didn't kill all the Green Lanterns. <laughs> uh no, he did worse. He just wiped out a whole planet. So what? <laughs> so what? I could go for a, a John Stewart planet. movie. I I really really I like go, George, John Stewart wrong. as a lantern. He's, I could, yeah. he's great. I could go for a John Stewart movie, especially if you did Cosmic Odyssey. Yeah, John John Stewart's one of my my favorite lanterns. I yeah. Still like Hal better, but John Stewart is definitely a close second. Right, and you can just kick Kyle Rayner off the face of the universe. Yeah, he's not the worst. He's not Guy Gardner. I've never met a fearless artist. He's right. not. He's not. He's not Guy Gardner. <laughs> and you're gonna tell me that finding your girlfriend stuffed in the refrigerator isn't going to mentally scar you to the point where you can't use that ring? Right. But well, and here's the thing, though. We we all agree. We have no problem with them doing Earth-23 or an alternate Superman. The, the problem is a lot of people 
immediately lost her mind thinking that this is going to be Superman as in the Superman, the guy that you know from all the, the, all the other history. And I think they're missing. That's, that's not who yeah. it is. I think I'd like to see Calvin Ellis's story on the big screen, you know, as president of the United States and Superman at the same time. I think that would be a good story. I think it'd be a good tale to tell. Absolutely, a very, a very interesting story, and definitely a, a, a different take on a on a an old character that you know you've already done a lot with. I mean, what else can you really do with the original Superman that you haven't already done? You know, yeah. so at least on the big screen. I just I don't understand their devotion to the like putting all their energies into their big three, the the Trinity. You know, because their mindset is in order for their smaller universe movies to work, they need to establish the big three because... Get, get they, wins like Marvel did? Right. I think that, that when they're going to win is they're going to is in their Elseworlds stories. It's in their B characters. In their Elseworlds stories, their B characters, their lesser-known characters. Like yes. I personally liked Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad did what it was supposed to. It was a fun movie, it was a good time, and it wasn't overly involved in like they're all grade A heroes and they're saving the world they're, they're, they're saving the world but they're doing it quietly you're not even noticing they're there which right. is what you're supposed to get with them yeah I was not a fan of Suicide Squad I thought it was more the Deadshot and Harley Quinn show and I, I wasn't a huge fan <laughs> I tell you what as soon as you've seen Wolf of Wall Street, you will never speak bad of Margot Robbie. Oh, I'm not speaking can, bad of her. I, I don't think she played she a bad part. She can play Harley Quinn all she wants. I'm not speaking bad of her. I don't think she. I don't think she played a bad part. I just, you know, thought they focused too much on the two of them and not enough on the whole. Well, cast. Okay, Look, who were the two big stars of that movie? Right, Will Smith and Margot Robbie. Well, of course, but you know, it. it you know, it, I. I thought the other other players needed a little bit more of a, a role in it. Well, I, and I let's face it, who who is the character that died in in the very beginning? The boomerang is boomerang bites it, doesn't he? No, boomerang lives. If this was another guy, he was like the rope guy or something like that. I don't remember what his name was, but you knew he was going to die because they did like this profile. Was of it all Slipknot? These... Slipknot, yes. Yeah, okay. They do this profile in the beginning of all these characters, but him. Like, <laughs> there's the red shirt. <laughs> there's the guy who's there's dying. There's the red shirt. He's not making it out alive. And within 10 minutes of them being on the mission, he's dead. So, so. he was like the guy. Yeah, uh, he was the uh, guy. Um, <laughs> what's my last name? I don't have one because I'm not important enough. I'm not important enough to have a last but, name. So, so yes, that's where, that's where they are going to succeed. What they need to do, now, obviously you can't do a Wonder Woman because the first Wonder Woman movie made tons of money, and, and 1984 is probably going to do just as well. But I think you quit making Superman movies, you quit making Batman movies, Agreed. and you put them in ensemble movies where they work better with yeah. the team. Cause oh, Batman and the Outsiders. Would, I would love to see that a Batman and the Outsiders. And actually, I really love Batman and Justice League, especially the part when he's on the roof of Commissioner Gordon. He's like, it's good to see you working with others. And he's like, it may be temporary. <laughs> right. Because he fit the role there of being the outcast guy who's being forced to work with others, and he lets you know, like, this has only worked for however long it suits my purpose. Right. Yeah, and that's the way it's always been with, with the old right. Batman. But yes, th quit making Superman and Batman movies. Just put them in ensemble pieces. Wait 20 years and reboot them when there's a whole other generation coming up. Agreed. And we're, John we're Stewart, Green Lantern, give me that. Yeah, because yeah, I'm sick of watching his parents die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sick of watching Uncle Ben die, too. Right. That was my problem with Homecoming. I was afraid it was going to be yet another Spider-Man origin. Like, oh, right. great. I got to see Ben get shot again. <laughs> yeah. The, luckily, they, they started past that. Yeah, it's just, I'm surprised. We've all seen, like, uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne getting killed so much. We all haven't become Batman <laughs> at this point, you know. You know, I can rewrite that scene, and um, 
Batman versus Superman, Donna Justice, the one that everybody complains about with the whole Martha, Martha. you let him kill Martha. I, I can rewrite that easily and, and have just a profound effect and still get the same result. Okay. So what you do, Batman has won because technically he has won in that he scene. He won, yeah. Um, he's got him on the ground. He's got the kryptonite spear at his throat. He's a goner. And he's yelling Martha, Martha, like, why'd you say that name? And Lois comes running in. This is his mother's name, blah, 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 right? And then Batman would be like, oh, never mind, and then stab him. Right. All you got to do, no. <laughs> <laughs> I like all the you, thought man, man. <laughs> all you got to do is have Lois arrive there just a couple minutes earlier because she's getting there anyway. You have Batman, again, has him defeated, and she shows up and he's like, you know, no, Luther has, he doesn't want to fight you. Luther's going to kill his mother. And Batman's like, he doesn't have a mother. He's admitted that he's, you know, from another planet. He's an alien. And she says, really? World's greatest detective, and you haven't figured out who he is? He's Clark Kent. He was raised in Smallville, Kansas. His parents were Jonathan and Martha Kent. And then you have Batman just look at it for a moment and go, Jonathan and Martha Kent? And then she goes, yes. And then you see him just stop, put the spear down, help him up, and he goes, my mother's name was Martha. There, same result. Better dialogue. Well, it's a shame they didn't get you to write it. I know, right? I know, Randy. Someone write my resume and send it to WB. There you go. Yeah, because that, that's how they—that's how they hire writers. Well, I am came not, up with this idea I, on a podcast. I tell you what, I tried to find a person to sleep with to get me advanced there, and apparently, it's not the guy mopping the front lobby at 11 p.m. at night, despite what he says. Wow, <laughs> we see why you bought that uh, episode, Batman Dan, Randy. We see why. All right, so, wow, we have got like 15 minutes, and we actually reviewed everything. So, let's touch on this. <coughs> As I hack up along, sorry, guys. Phrasing! We're going touch on this while you hack up along? Yes. Phrasing! Awesome. I'm going to go ahead and jump up on the milk crate for a moment here. Milk crate! So, as we were just talking about the movies, one thing that's going on nowadays, which I just am not getting is you see people constantly commenting on Facebook and on forums, well, it wasn't like the comic book. The character doesn't talk like that. That look is all wrong for the character. <laughs> why, why did they go with that story? You know, DC doesn't know how to make a good movie. And then you have people who come back and say the same thing about Marvel. I'm tired of seeing Marvel origin stories, which actually that's kind of a pet peeve of mine. I'm getting over that myself. Or we're tired of seeing all the nice, shiny, happy Marvel. There needs to be some darkness in the universe with, with the heroes. So to all of you haters out there who are complaining about the movie and that that's not how it happened in the book, that's the one that really gets me. That's not how it happened in the book. Be glad they're making them. Right. Some of us grew up in an era where you had, and these were the good ones, okay? You had Linda Carter, Wonder Woman, and you had Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno, Incredible Hulk. Those were the good ones, people. Before that, we grew up with George Reeves, Superman, or Adam West, Batman. And then you had... The failed experiments, such as the Nicholas Hammond Spider-Man, yeah. which, which was livable. Whichever, yeah, whichever comic book movie that just ca that came out that you think is just so horrible that, like even Suicide Squad. Yes. The fact that they would they have the money, they're willing to invest into a shitty movie like Suicide Squad, makes me happy as a comic right. book collector. And let's not forget who was the actor in the god awful horrible Captain America movies. Where he had the motorcycle, where his shield oh, was part of the motorcycle. Like plastic, yeah. Yes. I, I can't remember the guy, but I remember that stupid-ass movie. And then, and very few people remember this one, too. There was a horrible attempt Fantastic at a doc... Four? No. 
Although that's another one, the the one by Corman's company. There's something like that, yeah. There's a there's a really horrible CBS made for TV movie for Doctor Strange. Oh yeah. And you haven't lived oh, until wait, you've yeah, watched I that I one. I have seen like, a little <laughs> bit of that, and I turned it off real quick. Yes. I was like, wow, this is horrible. That goes horrible the first ten minutes in, and this unfortunately like a bad car accident, you can't turn away. Well, let us not forget about David Hasselhoff's Nick Fury. <sighs> yes. And also Dolph Lundgren's He Masters and the Master He Man and the Masters of the Universe. Oh, God. That was another tanker. Or Dolph Lundgren's Punisher. <laughs> yes, exactly. So honestly, guys, be glad they're making them. Yeah. Even the world's crappiest superhero movie nowadays is better than what we were getting in the seventies and the eighties. But that's the point. Is like comic book nerds went to go see a Dolph Lundgren, uh, Lundgren, whatever his name is, Punisher movie because right. it was a Punisher movie. Right. And and here's the here's the other thing too, it's not just that they're making them; it's the fact that you're willing to take the chance on them. Exactly. It, it used to be you couldn't get a script for a superhero movie past an executive's door at, at any of the networks yeah. or the movie studios. Once, and we can thank Marvel for that because Spider-Man's what did it. In, in a way, you can actually thank um, Tim Burton and the first Batman movie. And if you want to even get further than that, you can think the Christopher Reeve Superman movie. I was going to say, I think the Christopher Reeve Superman movies did pretty good. They did, and then they put out the Bacol of number three. Yeah, which, three and four which, weren't so Which kind of killed that series. Same thing with Batman. Batman, Batman Returns, although I really hate the stupid talking to the penguins in Batman Returns. You really? know, that's, that's what you hate about Batman Returns. That's, it, the, that's the part I hate the most. Really? Yes, what do you, obviously I can tell by the look in your face, for you guys, we really need to have a camera, because as soon as I said Batman, Madman's head went down, and I thought That's he was going to burst the blood vessel. concerned about him <laughs> talking All right, to the penguins. Give, give it to me, Batman Returns, what, every, everything that's wrong with it, go ahead. Everything that's wrong we'll with make a the list. Batman Returns movie. Right. Tim Burton! <laughs> but Everything that's wrong with those movies is Tim Burton. So you don't like the first one either? I know, that's wow. so horrible. It's wow! So okay, horrible. I, I, I actually like that, that movie. I like the I like the original Batman. I like Batman too as well. Batman Returns. Oh, I didn't dis I didn't dislike it. Now the next two, not so much. <laughs> but uh, and you know they're up in each other's game. It's like they're betting on Batman. It's like I bet you I can make a worse Batman movie than that. Right. And then George Clooney comes along and removes all doubt. Bat nipples. Well, yeah. Okay, but come on, you had to let the gratuitous Alicia Silverstone butt shot. I rewind that and everything. It's indistinguishable <laughs> from Chris O'Donnell. I know that's a sad thing. <laughs> <laughs> Holy rusted metal, Batman! <laughs> well, now hang on. That is a beauty part of that movie because that pays right plays right back into the '60s Batman where they did all those bad puns. Where he's like, "Holy rusted metal, Batman!" and he's like, "Huh?" <laughs> he's yeah, like, <laughs> but how many movies you got to make before you can make one stupid joke? Right, exactly. That that should have come into play in like the first movie. But there is a great scene. Not a great scene. It's. George Clooney is on a talk show. I want to say whatever one Craig Ferguson did. But I really don't remember. I'd have to go Google that and look it up on YouTube. But there's a great one where they're talking to George Clooney on a talk show, and they mention Joe Schumacher. And they're like, you know Joe Schumacher? And they're like, oh, yeah, we killed Batman together. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what was that? There was that one story where a fan came up to him and told him that he'd seen his Batman movie, and he gave him his money back, opened his wallet, and handed him like 10 really? bucks. Really? Yes. <laughs> I don't know yes. if it's true or not, yes. but I, I heard that, that. That is an urban rumor that they told Clint, I saw your Batman movie, and he gave him back his money. <laughs> which would be great yeah, if that's true. Yeah, which would be awesome of George Clooney. Yeah. He would be like my all-time favorite if he did, actually really did that. But you know what? That reminds me, since we're talking about superhero shows and what we had as a kid, 
the one that I actually still liked, even though I'm sure it doesn't hold up today if I go to watch it, was the original Shazam show with Billy Boston and the RV and the lightning bolt on the front of it and the little weird red ball with the little colored lights on it. I went beep, boop, 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 beep, boop, boop, whenever the, the, yeah, the guys were like calling them. Remember? Wouldn't hold up. Madman's like, I don't remember this I show. i got to go looking for it. You I'm have not seen yeah. the old Shazam series? i got to go look for it. It started as Shazam, and then the second season they brought in ISIS. And every week it flipped back and forth. One week it was Shazam, the next week it was Almighty ISIS. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. There's a light of recognition going off in Madman's eyes. I seem to have heard of this, but I don't think I've ever seen it. How the hell did you miss it? I don't know. Yeah. I, when did this come on? I've heard of it. Mid, I mid-70s? 72, 73? Who's, who's got the phone? Who can Google? Do the Google. Okay, so I'll, I can tell you how I missed it then. If it or came on they, in 72 they, or 73. As I said on the, I was born in 77, so that's how I missed it. Okay. Yeah. Well, us so old, old-timers grew up on Saturday. There was a time when they showed cartoons on Saturday morning. That, well, they did during my well, my well, now, hang on. Before the new season started, and I can't believe the networks would actually spend money to do this, there would be a primetime special like at 7 or 8 o'clock on a Friday where they did a one-hour preview of the cartoons coming for that season on Saturday morning. And I remember it was ho- the one for ABC that year was hosted by the Hudson Brothers, who used to be a comedy trio, and one of the ones was Shazam, because I still remember they pulled up in a little golf cart. They were going for, like, seeing this, you know, show-to-show location, and they got to the one for Shazam, and I already knew what it was before they even said anything, because they pulled up to the empty lot, and there's a sign there, and one brother's like, you say it. It's like, I'm not saying it. You say it. I'm not going to say it. And I knew immediately where they were going, because they all said it together, Shazam, and they did the whole camera trick where they shook the camera to make it look like the whole set was moving and the digitized lightning coming. But, yeah. It, I don't. You being a big Captain Marvel slash Shazam fan, I'm surprised you have not gone looking for this. I haven't. I I need to. I mean, it sounds like it could be pretty interesting. Plus, Plus, it's you said mid 70s. Yes, it means it's horrible. Well, I'm sure it's well, horrible, but that's probably part of the appeal. Is that how bad it is? Right. And At least did, now, anyway. It did the classic thing where, great when the day. actor was going to go into flight, he would run towards the camera, which panned down in a, in a worm's eye view, and he would do the whole classic three steps, jump and he jump out of c- oh, camera frame, yeah. and then it cut to his little sh- string-held character yeah. flying against the backdrop. Oh, yes. I've got to see this. <laughs> the greatest I've American hero this. kind of Yes. Right. That sounds wonderful. I've got to see this. Well, that was the thing when, when it came to those shows back in the days, because so many of those characters were flyers, and the... Uh, shooting somebody flying convincingly right. was very difficult back in those days. And so that's why um, when it comes to uh, the Christopher Reeves movies, that it was so spectacular because nobody had ever seen um, somebody shoot flying right. that well before. Well, and remember, their their whole ad campaign for that was you will believe a man can fly uh-huh. because they were using the new – Almost like a boom technology for cameras, but and, ten and times they, the strength to, to actually physically move him. Yeah, and then they did that same uh, promo for the horrible Tim Burton movies. Did they? Yeah, they did this thing. It's like, you'll never fly, and then it shows him crashing through the window in the art gallery. Oh, I don't remember. I actually don't remember that ad campaign. Now I'm going to have yeah, to look that I'll one up. I'll look that one up, too. You, know, you talk about the Christopher Reeve Superman. I remember when my wife and I first got married, I told her I had the box set of all four of the original Supermans. And she said, well, you know, half of what you have is mine. And I said, sure, you can have Superman three, <laughs> three and four. <laughs> I had the collector set of that, which has all four movies. It has the Donner cut of Superman 2, which is actually really great. It has the uncut version of the first Superman, the theatrical version, because it's a whole longer test scene that Luther puts him through. Yeah. It has also the Brandon Routh 
Superman. Yeah. But it also has a couple, maybe three or four of the old Fleischer cartoons from the 40s. Oh, wow. It also has the pilot for the Adventures of Super Pup. I don't know how that oh even... Oh, my God. Yes, this is a... Really? Yes. Oh, my God. I think it also might have... It has several documentaries for the making of all the movies. So, I mean, it's like a, a 10 to set, and it's this thick. You guys don't like Superman 3? Superman 3 is horrid. Now, was uh, that the one with the nuclear man in it, or was no, that that's no, four. That's that was That was even worse. Yeah. Three's, three's, three is Richard Pryor. Well, here's, Richard Pryor. Oh, well, here's yes. the thing. I'm actually okay with three, all the way up to the point when they go to Weber's hidden base in the Rockies, and he's fine in, and they're attacking him with the freaking video game, yeah, which, is, which is obviously Nintendo. Pac- Pac-Man and, for Sam's Right, and then when his sister gets wrapped in all the metal and becomes the killer robot. Up until that point, I was the fine. Kid, yeah, the, his sister what, getting wrapped up in metal. When those two things happened, I was like, oh, and you just ruined it. But, I mean, <laughs> I think they jumped the shark in the opening scene where it was uh, this pretty girl walking down the street, and everyone gets so distracted about her, it's a bunch of pratfalls and yes. gags. So, I mean, I think they let you know right at the beginning, this is what you're getting. Right. You're getting a comedy writer got a hold of a Superman script. Right. Well, it was pretty obvious. Well, I remember before it had even filmed, and I, I swear this is the honest of God's truth. As soon as I read the press release that Richard Pryor had been cast, I knew immediately that movie's dumb. It's, that movie's doomed. Right then and there. So you put in Richard Pryor in a Superman movie, you're done. It's, it's going to fail. was great in that. Was it worth all the cocaine? I don't know. <laughs> Did he burn himself up after that movie or before? I, I think no he idea. burnt himself up after that movie. He quit calling me a while back. He quit <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and watch that movie. I, I really don't remember it. At all. You don't remember that? That's I don't. Who, because he tries to make kryptonite and it fails horribly. That, that is a redeeming quality of the movie. There's is a little the bit whole, of science. It's a whole split personality where he, he fights himself in a junkyard. That, uh, yeah, I liked, I actually liked Superman better when he was a dick flicking peanuts in a bar. <laughs> right? I was like, let's, keep, let's follow this guy for around for a while with a camera. I, I have a friend, Charlie, who cosplays that perfectly. The, the, the costume's even a little bit darker. Yeah. He gets his 5 o'clock shadow. He puts a little eye black underneath his eyes to make it look like he's you know been up for several hours. He stinks of alcohol. Right. <laughs> but that, the whole flicking the peanuts, because I don't know if you noticed that, as he gets darker and darker, the costume starts getting darker, yeah. too. It's a subtle change. So by the time yeah. the fight comes, you realize just how much darker the costume itself exactly. has gotten. And I mean, that was that was why that movie, I think, was entertaining is because it did have it had the budget to cast people like Richard Pryor and that uh, that suave guy from the '80s, and uh, and keep Christopher Reeve on board. You know, so I mean, they had the production value. It's just that they's like, like, well, we made Superman one and two, and Superman two was just awesome. It's like, how are we going to follow? How do you follow up Superman 2? How do you follow up Neil before Zod? Well, well, part of the problem, too, according to the story of the day, one of the reasons Margot Kidder left was she did not agree with the Saul Kine's treatment of Richard Donner over Superman 1 and 2, which is part of why she was out for for 3. Yeah, I I, I didn't mind. Yeah, I believe Christopher Reeve has managed to get her back for 4. Lana's hotter anyway. True. Well, yes, that was young and Ned O'Toole. Yeah. So... Who ironically ends up playing Martha Kent in yeah. Smallville? So, and uh, still got it, babe. What was I going to say? Oh man, the brain train then derailed. Damn it, madman! I, I I pumped some blood towards away from the brain. You know, broke Randall. Um, <laughs> oh, I remember. I think part of the reason too that those series died is Christopher Reeve wanted to direct, and Warner Brothers told him right, no. Yeah, and. 
I think everybody argued. So let me see if we got this right. You won't let the guy who plays Superman direct a Superman movie. Isn't he the best one to know what should be happening? And he's still the best Superman to this day. I I will give you that. But I think that's because we all grew up watching those movies. Anyone who did not see those and only started with, like, say, Ralph and Cavill or Dean Cain. Oh, my God, yeah. M- might have one of those three. I could see Dean Cain being the running. I liked Lois and Clark. <laughs> I did. It was good. <laughs> Madman took that we, snippet of me saying yeah. that show near the villain and made a video out of his yeah. on his Madman lowercase on his YouTube channel. It's just that little snippet of us talking about that show and me saying it needed a villain. And he I said may clip it, some more smart-ass things I say. he said yeah. it was Terry Hatcher. <laughs> I may clip some more smart-ass things I say. Don't, it's my YouTube channel, so I'm going to fo- uh, center around the smart-ass things I say. Hope you don't mind. Nope, quite all right. Actually, it's more exposure for us, so the more That's the right. merrier. Have at it. You guys seen that, that video? Did you like it? I watched it, uh, I've watched it twice now already. Uh, yeah. That explains how I got more views. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I st- it just doesn't I, match the the Batman uh, the Nightwing ass. Video. I still have to watch the Nightwing ass one. Which, by the way, listeners, Madman is also on his own podcast tomorrow night at six. Tomorrow uh, night at six. Shock, Shock Monkey, Monkey Radio. Radio. So make sure you tune in and listen to that. And then both of us are also here on FXBG Pirate Gamers on Wednesday night. So tune into that one as well. Word, word. And uh, you can subscribe to our show on iTunes and stuff like that. You can't listen to it live, but if you're like most podcast listeners, you probably listen to it when it's convenient to you. Right. And so that's the benefit of looking on iTunes or Spotify. Uh, I think we're on Spotify. And uh, I use CastBox myself. So pretty much any podcasting app, you could search for Lost in the Long Box or Shock Monkey Radio and download it for later and listen to it. That's the way I listen to podcasts. I don't know about you. Yep. Also, too, I'm going to go ahead and give a shout-out to yet another show here, because if you're listening to this one, it means you're into comic books, which means you're kind of nerdy. Yeah, you probably want to go over to... And if you're kind of nerdy, then you probably want to also check out Mike and his crew on Great Geek Refuge on Friday yeah. nights here at 7 o'clock. That's a long show, so be prepared to, to listen to a long well, show. Live, or it's a long show. Long, live, it's long, but he actually breaks that up into snippets as well. Uh, so, yeah, if you're into comics and nerdy things, that's another one you should be listening to. Absolutely. We're at 58 minutes. What do you think? I, th- I think we did good. I mean, a little bit short we tonight. We did well. We did very well. Yes, We did well. excellent. So that's it. That's all the time we have for tonight. So until next time, we'll be down here trying to figure out why the hell Madman is reading Captain Canuck. Because why Madman? I, I'm lost in the long box. I mean, I need to know superheroes that Canadians <laughs> like. <laughs> yes, we are. Thanks yes, for listening, are. everybody. Lost in the long box. Until next week. Till then. Love you. Bye. Bye.